What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You're listening to This Week in Sports, episode 194. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, December 16th, 2022. We're nearly to Christmas break. Um, I'm excited for it. For sure, I need the break off from work. I've just been drained, tired. It's been raining the last couple of days. I'm exhausted. Um, want to apologize. Of course, hiatus last week. Thought I was going to get an episode in. Was not able to do so uh, for various reasons. Uh, I was going to then do it Saturday. And then, of course, we had the Army-Navy game, which I'll get to in a bit. Worst bad beat of all time. Um had my grandmother's 90th birthday on Sunday. So I'm in this like banquet hall on Sunday with my Jets green on, knowing we're in Buffalo in a tough game, but I'm wearing Jet green to support my guys, to support Mike White, right? And I'm watching on my iPhone 14 Pro on this tiny little screen with no Wi-Fi and just a data connection. And I made it work. I saw every single play of this game and it was gut-wrenching and and heartbreaking because Mike White got knocked out of this game twice, came back, the toughness, they had a chance, then Michael Carter fumbled, yada, yada, yada. Jets lose. Um, I lost another parlay because the Dallas Cowboys couldn't cover a 17-point spread. Granted, I dropped it to two touchdowns, so I needed them to cover 13 and a half. Couldn't even do that, barely won the game. But before I get into that, let's start with... Well, we're going to start with the NFL a little bit, but let's start with the Miami Dolphins. What is going on with the Miami Dolphins? I don't know. Uh, so they lost their second straight game on Sunday night football to a Chargers team that they probably should have beat. They're definitely more talented than the Chargers, except for one problem. And this was a matchup of quarterbacks drafted uh, back-to-back. Tua was drafted and then uh, Herbert was drafted right before him. What was was that 2018? I don't remember exactly when, but they were drafted back to back. So they had there was that element, that little twist. And Herbert's been banged up, up and down all year. Uh, the rib injury early on lost both wide receivers. They just haven't been the same team, and their coach is not good in Staley. I just don't think he's a good coach. And Justin Herbert had his best game of the season. But my goodness, what happened with Tua? I get it last week. You know, you're on the road in San Francisco. Tough team, tough defense. You get beat, right? But this was a game that was very winnable. And here are some numbers for Tua. Um, Tua was 10 for 28. Uh, yeah, here we go. Tua was 10 for 28. Threw for 145 yards passing, and that's it. Very, very ugly. And meanwhile, for Herbert, season high, 367 yards in the win. This is good for the Jets because they lost, so the Jets are just one game back of the Dolphins. However, other things have to play out. The Jets could beat the Lions, and then they're still not going to be in the playoff hunt if a couple teams don't lose, namely the Patriots and the Chargers because they both have better conference records, and the Patriots have the head-to-head with the Jets. So the Jets, by losing to the Bills, are in trouble right now. They need some help, so they absolutely 
have to beat the Detroit Lions. And I'll just say it right now. This was breaking news earlier this morning. Mike White, who yesterday was supposed to play, he was going to suit up for this game. He's dealing with a, you know, a midsection rib injury, I guess you could call it. And all of a sudden today, the doctors can't clear him in time for Sunday's game. Guess who is starting at quarterback for the New York Jets at MetLife Sunday? Zach Wilson. So if you don't know, Flacco was dropped to the third string because he was awful when he came in those couple times against Buffalo, including a brutal fumble on his first play in, I think the second time around. And they they elevated Zach Wilson to the number two quarterback spot. And now Mike White can't go, which just sucks for Mike White because I, I don't understand it. He said yesterday he was going to play. So he was going to tough this out because he's a gamer and he was going to play. And now we are stuck with Zach Wilson. And I just saw some Zach Wilson highlights. And Zach Wilson is not as good a quarterback as Mike White. I don't care what anyone says. He doesn't drop back as far. You watch Mike White. This is why he's been successful in such limited time in the NFL. He is dropping back so significantly. They're doing these little, they slide him right and they fake the handoff. So you have to hold the defense because they don't know if it's run or pass. And he holds it, but he's also just getting so far back. The fourth down a couple weeks ago against the Vikings, the dime pass on fourth and 10 to Corey Davis. He drops back so far in the pocket to give himself time. Trust that that big, strong arm. Zach Wilson has one. I don't know why the coaching staff doesn't work with him on this. And this is something that I'm going to be diligently watching on Sunday is is with Zach Wilson is has he improved? Have the mechanics improved? Is he throwing all these passes, these short, you know, dump offs off his back foot? Because Mike White is a check down beast. And what I mean by that is uh, he's not checking down on every play, but when he checks down, he's throwing it in rhythm, in stride, floating good balls so that the receivers can catch it in stride and get up the field as quickly as possible. And Zach Wilson has never done that. Same with Sam Darnold. They never did this. They throw these short check downs so hard and and on lo- such line drive passes that it gives the receivers no chance to catch the ball. So I'm I'm very very disappointed because the Lions are coming in having won five of six. They just beat the Vikings. Uh, they were favored in that game. It's unbelievable. They're like one game sort of out of a playoff spot or two games, whatever. Uh, they can they can run the table if they want and win ten games and get in, but. The Jets also. This is a must-win for both teams. Giants fans will be will be in, uh, definitely uh, paying close attention to this game because they need the Jets to win. It's not very often you're rooting for uh, the Jets to to win a game if you're a Giants fan, and vice versa. But this is one of those situations that the Giants fans desperately need the Jets to pull out a win here. Uh, as for Buffalo, yeah, that I mean. Josh Allen didn't look great again, only 147 yards. Um, they did just enough to win in a very sloppy, snowy, rainy game. Tough to do a whole lot, but um, they now inch closer to that one seed. They have the tiebreaker with the Chiefs because uh, they beat them earlier. So so they're looking like they're going to be the one seed in the AFC, and they will play Miami this week, which is huge for the Jets because that game's in Buffalo. Miami is a touchdown underdog a full seven-point underdog. Buffalo should win this game. I don't know if they cover the seven. Uh, I wouldn't bet against it, but whatever happens, the Jets need to win and have Miami lose. That will at least 
you know, help because they still have a game week 18 against Miami that could be for all the marbles. Um, all right, let's talk Cowboys now. The Cowboys really screwed me on my parlay because the spread in this one was 17. I'm like, all right, let me play it safe. Let me drop it to two touchdowns. 13 and a half should be fine. Well, the Cowboys found themselves staring down the barrel of a 23-20 game late in the fourth quarter. They get the ball back on their own two-yard line with three minutes, 20 seconds left. And luckily for them, they were able to go to the distance and cap off the win with this touchdown, which I'll play in a second. But you have to understand, I'm in this banquet hall. I had the Jets game on because I'm a diehard Jets fan. And it wasn't until my brother got there a little bit later with his wife that he pulled up red zone. So I really didn't know what was going on with that game for much of it. Uh, I was trying to keep an eye on it. Like when there was commercials with the Jets game, I was jumping off Paramount Plus and I was jumping on to my Yahoo Sports app to see what was going on. And I was also in a dogfight in fantasy football. I needed to win, have two or three teams uh, lose. Two of three guys needed to, to lose and none of it happened. One guy lost, but the other two I really needed to lose um, did not. And, um, you know, I got I finished in seventh place, the dreaded seventh place spot, one game out of a playoff spot, all because of one measly uh, Monday night football game in which Justin Herbert in overtime couldn't get me like 30 passing yards. And I lost by less than one point. Um, very disappointing. So anyway, let me play that clip. Um, this was the go ahead touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys who were trash all game. Still got two timeouts. Zeke up the middle into the end zone for the touchdown. So, yeah, Zeke gives the Dallas Cowboys the lead with that touchdown. There was about 42 seconds left or so. And um, when he got in, the Texans did get the ball. They were driving. They went around the 50. They got backed up to the 46. And then um, Davis Mills, with 14 seconds left, throws up a desperation and it gets picked off. And the Cowboys win the game. When I don't know about you guys, but you can let me know if this is is this this is true for you you as well. Uh, when I know I'm going to lose a bet or a team isn't going to cover the spread because they play so poorly, I just I don't want them to win the game. Like if I bet the Cowboys minus two and a half, or or whatever, and they win by one point. I am furious. I'm like, you know what? Just lose the game. Like it happened with the Ravens a couple weeks ago. I needed them to win by three. And I think they ended up winning by one and they were driving late and ended up scoring to win by one. And I'm just like, I hope you lose because you're not helping me any. So um, it, it's just, it's ridiculous that the Cowboys, it, the NFL, I, I'm convinced like the NFL is this some sort of like, simulation this year. I was just telling this to my friends. I think the NFL this year is like a simulation. The, none of it's real. Everything is just being simmed in a game of Madden or something and just being thrown out there. It's so, it's like so rigged. And and then my brother sends me a text message. Um, coincidental or funny enough, this isn't my brother that's a, you know, a big time gambler, uh, sports better like I am. This is my other brother that doesn't really even watch sports. Um, but he sends me a text that is a tweet from Uberfax, a verified, you know, longstanding page on, on, on Twitter. And it says the NFL is 
actually recognized as an entertainment industry and not a sport. And therefore, they can basically rig the outcome of games. It's just, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. They've been rigging games since the 1900s. So anything you can bet on, I'm convinced it can be rigged. Um, and it is rigged. So, yeah, it's just been a rough year in the NFL. It's supposed to be the easiest sport to bet on. Um, and it's just been a crapshoot this year. Uh, what I'm going to do is continue. I'm going to go through the rest of the league uh, and just go around the league pretty much rapid fire. The Titans. Wow. What has happened to the Titans? They fired their GM after that embarrassing loss to the Eagles and their former player, A.J. Brown. They've now dropped three in a row, and this is the low of the low, losing to their division rival. Their division rival, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a 5-8 and eight football team, embarrassed at home, lost by like two touchdowns. Uh, luckily for the Titans, though, they're in a very, very poor division. They actually hold a two-game lead still over the Jaguars. But it doesn't appear to to me anyway that that team is, is a problem or, or somebody to watch out for. I would love to play the, the Titans in the first round of the playoffs if that could be possible for as a Jets fan. Or basically, if I'm any fan of any team, I want the Titans as a division winner. I'll gladly go to Tennessee and take that team on because they're just not that good. Uh, speaking of a team that is really good right now, Look no further than the Bengals last year's Super Bowl runner-up. They have now won five in a row, and they are making a huge push at that NFC North title. Um, Tyler Huntley is going to start again for the Ravens. There was some question about his health, but um, he will start. They own a slim tiebreaker over the Bengals right now. Both teams are 9-4, and four, but the Ravens did beat the Bengals earlier in the year. But the the Ravens have won back-to-back -back games by by just a hair. Uh, they beat the Steelers 16-14, and then they barely beat the Broncos the week before that. So they're just, like, limping around, like, getting these wins at the moment. So um, if I had to put my money on one of these two horses, I would bet the Bengals. They're trending in, in the better direction. Uh, but it, the division could, at the end of the day, come down to a Week 18 matchup in Cincy. If it does, again, I like my chances for the Bengals. Um, listen, the Bengals are rolling right now. Five in a row. They finally got Jamar Chase back. They're, they finally got Joe Mixon back. And if I'm the Chiefs, I definitely don't want to see um, the Bengals, Joe Burrow and company, because Joe Burrow is 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And if I'm the other AFC you know, contenders, I don't really want to face the Bengals either because they've been there, done that, did it last year, beat out everybody they played and made their way to a Super Bowl. So look out. And I mean, they're 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 just they're one of the best offenses. Joe Burrow continues to get better. And, you know, he's got fans from all around the country, including this nut job from New Jersey. Take a listen. He traveled all the way from freaking New Jersey to come here to see Joe Burrow. Crucify Deshaun Watson. Let's go, Joe Burrow. Yeah, let's go, Joe Burrow. Typical New Jersey, New Jerseyan.
Uh, yeah, that that made its way around Barstool and 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 the Twitterverse and everywhere else. I thought that was hilarious. I couldn't stop watching that lady. Just awesome. And yeah, uh, she speaks for everyone when she says, screw Deshaun Watson, and they beat him up 23 to 10 for their fifth straight. In other news, the Eagles pounded the Giants. I didn't get to see any of that game again. I was at a party watching the Jets on my phone. Um, they're a lock at this point for the one seed. An absolute lock, especially since the Vikings lost, dropped to 10 and three. They have a safe two-game lead over that one spot. Um, so yeah, that, that's and the Giants are trending in the wrong direction. Uh, the Buccaneers, another team, an oof. Uh, getting absolutely destroyed by the Niners and Brock Purdy, who did it again last night on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Purdy, better known as Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. He is the first quarterback to make his first start against Tom Brady and actually win. I think previously quarterbacks were 0-6 or 0-7. So, and, and here's a cool story, of course. Uh, so Purdy played at Iowa State. He's more of an undersized guy, 6'1", doesn't get, you know, have the big measurables, hand size, arm strength, all that stuff, but he fits into the, you know, Kyle Shanahan system so perfectly. But anyway, here's a cool story. So they showed an, a Purdy's parents, his dad getting emotional, wiping tears away as he's facing off against Tom Brady. So because this kid was the last pick, it's like you don't even know if you're going to make the team at that point being the last pick of a draft. You're thrown on the practice squad. So his parents knew. It's like Trey Lance. They finally bring back Jimmy G. It's like, this. where does my son fit in? He's not playing at all, uh, at all this season. So they decided when he made the team, it's like, all right, months in advance before the season starts, let's find one game. We'll go to a game um, and we'll watch. They picked this game against Tom Brady because, of course, it's like, oh, it's, you know, Tom Brady, the GOAT. Let's go to that game. They chose that game months out, months in advance. Now, two huge quarterback injuries later, their son is out, is balling out there, outdueling the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. So that was really cool. And obviously, they're going to all of his games since then. And he's undefeated as a quarterback, including last night, which I will get to um, in a minute. The NFC South, let's stick with the Bucs. This division is wild. Brady and the Bucs hold a very slim one-game lead at 6-7. and seven. It is very, very highly possible uh, that the division winner from the NFC South is under 500. It's not happened many times in the NFL. I want to say the last time it happened was the 7-9 and nine Seattle Seahawks with the Marshawn Lynch crazy run, Matt Hasselbeck, um, there's possibly one that happened after that. Maybe an NFC East winner was seven to nine. I'm, I, but I don't think so. Anyway, uh, the Bucks are six and seven, but now Carolina winners of two straight, thanks to Sam Darnold going two and zero this season, despite them basically cutting Baker Mayfield and letting him go to uh, sign with the LA Rams, who said, by the way, he will probably start again on Monday night. Um, and then you have Atlanta at five and eight are both just one game back. I think the Saints are four and nine. But here's where this gets interesting. I mean, Sam Darnold has not lit up the scoreboard by any means, but he's been doing, you know, playing efficiently They're I think four and four under interim head coach Steve Wilkes. And, they, you know, the owner there said it would take a miracle for Steve Wilkes to be retained as permanent head coach. Well, would a miracle be winning the division and getting a home playoff game? I think that has to get him some serious 
uh, consideration to be the head coach because they're playing hard and they're really playing for him. And they've run the ball way better than they ever have with McCaffrey. It's just, it's wild. Um, so yeah, that's the NFC South. It's, it's crazy right now. Okay. The Patriots have jumped into that final playoff spot thanks to Kyler Murray's first play injury. The first play, it was the first play of the game, much like um, the Zach Wilson injury in the preseason. He kind of rolled out to the right, started running, tried to make a little move, and his knee buckled. And yeah, we found out it was obviously a non-contact injury, and it is a torn ACL. Just brutal. Um, Colt McCoy would come on in relief. This was an absolutely ugly, ugly game. As ugly as it gets, you know, this is typical Patriots, right? Um, they're, they're hard to watch. They don't do anything, you know, flashy. Belichick does what he does with the defense and they end up, I think, winning by like 13. Uh, I mean, there's no telling how the Cardinals would have done had or would have fared had Kyler Murray not gotten hurt, but I want to say they would have done a lot better. Uh, they're not a good team, though. And, of course, it's upsetting as a Jets fan trying to watch this and hope that the Cardinals could somehow win and beat the Pats because we needed them to lose this game. Um, and they've jumped ahead of us now in the standings, and they own the tiebreaker by way of beating us twice. So it's 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 a rough pill to swallow. But uh, as for the Cardinals, they're a hot mess right now. Um, and if I had to, if I had to, you know, point a finger or, or get if my, my pulse is on this correctly, I'm going to say that Cliff Kingsbury is gone by the end of the year. I think they'll wait till the end of the season and Cliff Kingsbury will be fired. And then in a year or two, he'll reemerge somewhere in the college ranks. I, I just, these college coaches turned NFL coaches just are not panning out. They just don't work um, for whatever reason. But they botched that whole thing after Josh Rosen. Then they back-to-back picked another quarterback the next year, fired their coach after one season. Just the whole thing um, is a mess. All right, let's jump over, talk soccer for a second. The U.S. men's national team, obviously, they lost to the Netherlands in the round of 16. Of course, reports are now swirling and coming in. Everybody wanted to know, myself included, where was Gio Reyna? Why was he not playing more? The 20-year-old phenom, of course, both his parents having played for, uh, you know, Olympic teams with the U.S. And now we have our answer. Reports are surfacing that Reyna had to apologize to team. So I guess Greg Bearhalter, the coach, thought he was speaking off the record. And of course, it wasn't off the record. Um, but this comes out that he apologized to teammates over his lack of effort after he found out he wasn't going to start the opening match against Wales. He first showed a lack of effort in a scrimmage ahead of the opening match that had a lot of the team scratching their head and wondering if he was actually injured. That's not good. Um, he he f- apparently threw his shin guards after not being subbed against, in against Wales, and then his lack of effort continued into a post-match training session to which several veteran players ended up having to speak with him And this ended up actually having to be addressed on several occasions, including with the coaching staff. Uh, This sounds a lot like Zach Wilson to a sense. He finally stood before a video session um, and apologized to his teammates. Like I said, he's just 20 years old. He'll learn from this, but he played just 52 minutes in his first World Cup. Not a good look. Um, Just 
just a bad look for the U.S. men's national team as a whole. Uh, the situation, like I said, uh, Bearhalter made, this was some sort of leadership summit uh, that he thought he was speaking off the record. Those comments were made public. But at least we now have answers. Of course, Reyna had to take to Instagram and make some snide comment that he didn't think that, the, you know, stuff between him and the coaches or players uh, was supposed, you know, he was given assurances that stuff would stay in-house and no, nothing ever stays in-house. And it's another bad look to post it on IG saying that you're pissed off that this leaked out. Just do better. You'll learn from this mistake. You'll come back in four years. You'll be 24. You'll be much more mature. You'll be like Polisic's age now. And hopefully uh, you'll play a lot more and you'll help the U.S. go on a deep run. Or should I say deeper run? Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what happened there. Uh, let's get back to the actual play. We're down to two teams in the finals. Sunday at 10 a.m., we have the third place match tomorrow, actually. It will be France looking to repeat. They will take on Argentina and Messi in his final World Cup appearance. Can the Argentinian, can the greatest player in the world get himself that coveted first World Cup trophy, and he's he's vying for the golden boot. Him and Kylian Mbappe on France are tied with five goals apiece, so that's something to watch out for. Of course, France, the reigning champs, won it four years ago. I would like to see Argentina win. I'm pulling for Argentina. I just don't know if they have the manpower to get it done, but what a story it is for Messi. If he were to go out with this, the golden boot and the World Cup, that would be something, um, and he's so beloved and so loved in his home country that fans actually went to his grandmother's house and were just singing his name, essentially. It was such a cool thing to see, um, just unbelievable. So yeah, let's, I'm looking for an, a, you know, a, a new, whoops, a new country to uh, to win the World Cup. So I'm, I'm rooting for Argentina, as I hope most of you are as well. Um, and if you think about it, these two teams did meet four years ago in the, um, knockout rounds, round of 16, Argentina was actually winning that game two to one. And that's when France came back with, I think, like three goals in a whopping 12 minutes to win that game. So these teams have seen each other in this tournament before, just four years ago. So it's very evenly matched and it's just too early to tell who's going to win. Odds makers are at a stalemate. They both have the same odds to win. It's like plus 250 or something. So just insane. All right, let's talk MLB free agency. We all know it began last week, just a number of big signings and, you know, Judge and Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts and Kodai Senga. Um, this week, we've already seen Carlos Correa go to the Giants on a massive 13-year, $350 million deal. Oh, my God. It surpassed, um, uh, excuse me, uh, God, uh, Lindor's contract with the Mets for the most guaranteed money for a shortstop. Lindor's was 341, this 350. We're still waiting to hear about Dansby Swanson, but rumors are swirling that he could be headed to the Cubbies. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, the Braves acquired catcher Sean Murphy from the A's in a three-team deal with the Brewers. The Brewers actually made out quite handsomely here, able to acquire 25-year-old catcher William Contreras. Um, brother of Wilson Contreras for center fielder Estuary uh, Ruiz. Contreras can hit for sure, and he's 25. 
Um, of course, A's best player was Sean Murphy last year, so naturally they're not going to keep him. They got to get rid of him, right? Because that ain't the money ball way. They can't afford to pay him. Um, this thing opened up the market for catchers. We then saw Mike Zanino sign a one-year deal with the Guardians. Christian Vasquez, I believe, signed with the Twins, so that means Gary Sanchez is out. I don't know where he's going to end up. Um, we also saw Chris Bassett. He's out with the Mets. He signed with the Blue Jays, and Sean Manaya signed with the Giants. And then, of course, the big one yesterday, we saw the Yankees finally made another move, this time adding Carlos Rodon. It is a six-year $162 million deal. Um, it's interesting because I am heeding caution with this one. I'm not so sold on it because Rodon, the last two years has been great. His last year with the White Sox and then, of course, with the Giants, just phenomenal, right? He he set a uh, uh, franchise record, most double-digit strikeout games, I believe 10 and we we know what he's able to do. He was the best lefty on the market. Uh, everybody's quick to say, oh, the Yankees might have the best rotation, and they definitely have the best one-two punch in Cole and Rodon now. Rodon has missed time from 2017 to 2020, like significant, like seasons. In 2020, he pitched in seven and, and a third innings or something like that, and then he missed two like full seasons before that, uh, and he's like 30 years old now, so I, I'm I'm a fan of his, but I, I, I'm not 100% sold. And then the Yankees lost out on um, Andrew Benintendi. Benintendi, that worked out real great. They made a midseason trade for him. Guy breaks his hand, doesn't help us in the playoffs. And then in he's out in like 30 games, and now he signs the largest free agent deal the White Sox have ever given a guy, $75 million or so over five years, 72 or $75 million. Just ridiculous. Um we had Noah Syndergaard signing like a one-year deal with the uh, Dodgers. Um, I saw today that um, uh, uh, Joey Gallo signed a one-year deal with the Twins. Just some other one, you know. It just it's been crazy uh, free agency. So the last one we're really waiting on is for is Dansby Swanson. So we'll keep an eye out for that. All right, let's talk a little Deion Sanders for a moment. Let's pivot here. Coach Prime has not wasted much time at Colorado. We know all about the press conferences telling all these guys to enter the transfer portal. Pretty sure they went 1-11, so he's got to make some big-time moves, right? Well, Dylan Edwards, a four-star running back, as is the first guy. He has flipped his commitment from Notre Dame to the Buffaloes. This happened on Saturday. He won't be the first. Uh, he, he Well, he was the first, but he won't be the last. Edwards also had this to say, uh, Sanders was his youth coach dating back to when he was five years old. And he also said that he knows of a lot of four and five star guys that are about to flip their commitments from other big time power five schools. I don't doubt it. It's Dion freaking Sanders. Okay. He knows how to attract a crowd and he's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread this upcoming season in college football. I can't wait to see this turnaround. He could go from one and 11 to winning, you know, to not, not only winning, but could, could this be a, a CFP contender? I mean, I know they're going to expand, I believe in what is it? Not next year, but 2024. Could he get this team in two years into those 12 spot into that top 12 to get into that playoff? I absolutely say yes. I think he can. Will he, he could, I don't know if he will. I'd bet on it, though. Watch out.
Buffaloes are coming. All right, let's talk about my friggin' bad beat. Um, Army, Navy, 16 straight years, the under is hit. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, 16 straight. I, I'm the guy that, you know, I want to bet the over. My brother's like, let's bet the over. I thought my brother bet the over, and then he texts me in the fourth quarter. He's like, good thing I didn't bet the over. And I'm like, yeah, man, I bet the under, because it was 10-7 in the fourth quarter. And 16 straight years, 16, the under hits. And of course, I'm like, okay, I did my research. I, I'm like, I like the under here. Let's go. Navy, yeah, 10-7, Navy was winning. And I thought I so, I was going to parlay Army plus two and a half and the under. Not that that would have mattered in the end, but Army had a better record. It was in Philadelphia. I'm just like thinking about this. I'm like, this is not bad. Army could win this game. And they were getting beat all the whole time, right? I think they blocked they blocked a punt for a touchdown. That was like their one touch, you know, how they scored. But guess what? Army kicks a game-tying field goal to send this game to overtime late in the fourth quarter. So they go to overtime tied 10-10. That's 20 points for those of you at home. The over-under was 32 and a half. They score two touchdowns, I lose. I was praying that the first team to get the ball would score a touchdown and then stop the other team from scoring. But no, guess what? Army scored on the first play. And then Navy got the ball and they scored on the first play. And just like that, two plays into overtime, I lost my bet. Unbelievable unbelievable so and going into overtime or or you know I, my gut was telling me this is over this is i'm losing i knew i was gonna lose this because college overtime it's so easy to score and they did it in two plays so it was awful that had my losing streak like that had me questioning um everything about about sports betting at that point it's like wow i've had a down year but this was like a bad week, a bad couple weeks just building up and it all came crashing down with that. Like I desperately needed a win there and I couldn't pull it off. So I ended up making back that money and, and a little bit like barely broke, you know, I broke even and some like five, 10 bucks, whatever, thankfully ending on the weekend. But Ooh, that was tough. But anyway, uh, Navy fumbled the ball. Um, Running back Anton Hall Jr. fumbled to start the second OT, and then Army kicked a field goal to win it. And then right after the game in the locker room, uh, Navy head coach and stalwart Ken Niamatololo, who has been the at the helm for the midshipmen for 15 years and became the winningest coach in Navy's program history, was sitting alone by himself in the locker room trying to process everything when their athletic director um, came up to him Chet Gladchuk and fired him on the spot, which, oh my God, is just gutless in my opinion. Um, I get it. The last couple of years have not been good. Like, for example, the last three years, he was 11 and 23, only had one winning season in his last five. And over the last seven years, Navy is a combined four and 10 against West Point and the Air Force Academy. But this is wrong. This is just wrong. You don't walk into a locker room after a game like this and fire your coach on the road, no less. At least have the decency to wait till, till Monday morning and call him in and break the news. I mean, I just think this is this is gutless. I think it's a bad look, a bad move. 
And it was, you know, it was shocking. Nehemiah Tololo even said, like he told him, he's like, hold on, like, let's not make any rash decisions here. And he's like, no, 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 this has been boiling over for a while. This is something, you know, we've been thinking about for a while. Yet, if you won the game, were you going to fire him? If you were thinking about it for a while, no, you weren't going to fire him. So shut up. Ridiculous. I'm not buying that freaking garbage. Okay. Um, let's pivot again. Rest in peace, Paul Silas. The former NBA player and head coach died sadly on Sunday at the age of 79. I don't know if he was dealing with any ailments or anything like that. But if you don't know Silas, you simply uh, know, just know he is the father of current Rockets head coach, Steven Silas. As a player, he was known for his defense and rebounding during a 16-year career, which included stops with the Hawks, Suns, Celtics, Nuggets, and Supersonics, better known as the Oklahoma City Thunder now. He was a two-time All-Star and five-time All-Defensive selection, including first-team selections in 1975 and 76 with the Celtics, best known for his time with the Celtics. He was a member of the Celtics' title-winning teams in 74 and 76, and he was part of the Supersonics championship team in 1979. And then, of course, after his playing career ended in 1980, he moved over to the coaching ranks, coaching the San Diego Clippers from 1980 to 1983. And he served in the same head coaching role with the Hornets, Cavs, and Bobcats before his coaching career ended in 2012. And he is the coach that helped launch LeBron James' career in Cleveland. So RIP to Paul Silas, one of the NBA's greats. All right. Uh, I have a PSA, public service announcement, ladies and gentlemen. This week's buffoon of the week goes to none other than Texas head coach Chris Beard. Whatever you do, don't be this guy. Beard has Texas rolling this year. They were as high as number two. They're currently number seven. They're nine and one on the season. He's in his second or third year. Yet Monday, Beard was arrested and charged with assault by strangulation and suffocation, family violence, a third-degree felony assault charge uh, in Austin on Monday. Basically, he beat the crap out of his fiancée. According to her, uh, so the 49-year-old was later booked into Travis County Jail and Texas soon followed by suspending Beard without pay. There's been no update on this since then, really. Uh, make no mistake about it, though. Beard probably won't be fired. He's making $5.2 million, and the school profits even more than that off the team and off, you know, how how good they're they're doing. Um, so the, the basketball program makes them boatloads of money. Here's what's going to happen. The fiance isn't going to press charges, nothing like that. She'll end up staying with him because he makes $5.2 million. And from what I gather, this has never happened before, so it's a first-time offense. So, yeah, nobody's stopping Chris Beard from coaching. They're suspending him for optics, but my God, if you read some of the reports, what she said, basically he just went postal, started hitting her, strangling her, tried to, I think he even bit her, um, bruised up her whole leg, threw her off the couch or the bed, just crazy, crazy. Um, guys, what are we doing? 
we can rage at at, at women, sure, uh, or our, our wives or whatever. They might screw something up. Yeah, you yell at them. It's healthy to yell at each other. Let's be real. It happens. Every marriage, every every relationship, we yell at each other. Like, it's just human nature. Everybody yells at everybody. If you're not yelling, if you're constant, if you're getting along 100% of the time, that's scary. Something is wrong there. So, yes, it's, it's only natural to get mad. Um, you're cooped up with somebody for, you know, every day, your whole life, whatever. Um, it's, it's only normal to, you know, especially if you're having a bad day to just get mad, blow up at somebody for something, something minor, whatever. But you can never put your hands on a woman like that. He's lucky he didn't kill her. Um, so thankfully she is okay, but we'll see what comes out of this. I don't think anything. Uh, Pistons point guard Cade Cunningham, last year's number one overall pick, will undergo season-ending shin surgery and miss the rest of the season. The Pistons already have the worst record in the NBA, so they could be looking at a top three pick. Another injury to report, Steph Curry, my beloved Steph Curry, carrying my fantasy team. He will miss the next few weeks due to a shoulder subluxation sustained Wednesday night against the Pacers. Luckily, he does not need uh, surgery. He'll be reevaluated again in two weeks. Not great for the Warriors, though, because they fell to 2-13 and 13 on the road with the loss. Oh, my God. 12-2 and two at home and 2-13 and 13 on the road. Yikes. And then I, have a, I sadly have another death to report. Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach passed away on Monday night. Um, this was actually quite sudden. Apparently, he had a massive heart attack at his home over the weekend on Sunday, just 61 years old in his third season at Mississippi State. I think they went eight and four this year. Uh, Leach was an innovator who popularized the air raid offense. I'm sure you've heard of it a number of times. The air raid offense is basically what I do in Madden. I love me some air raid. Basically, you have four four wide receivers, um, two wide outs, and then you have two in the slot spots, and a running back, quarterback and shotgun running back next to him. That is the air raid offense because the threat, you could do anything out of that. You could hand it off and, and draw with the running running back. You uh, you could throw to a tight, there's so many different options that it, it, it's the best type of offense to run in Madden, in my opinion. And he popularized it um, and he made it special and um, yeah, gone too soon. I don't know if he had any, I mean, he was an overweight type of guy you know, probably didn't sleep much. The stresses of coaching football, always on the road, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff like that definitely plays a part in it. Um, but it's still very sad. He actually coached, this stat is just insane. He actually coached three teams, three different teams that averaged 470 passing yards per game. That's one more than all other coaches in FBS history combined. So every coach in the history of the FBS, there have only been two instances, two coaches, or excuse me, two instances of teams that have averaged 470 passing yards per game. Mike Leach had three of them himself. Just re uh, insane. And as, as for his coaching tree, it's it spreads far and wide and speaks for itself. 
for itself. Guys that were assistants under Mike Leach, um, Dave Aranda, Art Bryles, Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson, the great Lincoln Riley. Um, coaches that actually played for Leach include Cliff Kingsbury, Neil Brown, Seth Luttrell, Josh Heupel, Eric Morris. I mean, these aren't all of them. That's just to name, you know, a few. Uh, just ridiculous. Uh, Mississippi State has already gone ahead. They've moved forward. They tabbed their defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, to be the school's next coach. Arnett was elevated to the interim job after Leach was hospitalized Sunday. Uh, yeah, so gone too soon, man. Mike Leach, he was a character. You can check it out on Twitter, on YouTube. Check out some of his interviews. There's one interview from earlier this year, I believe in October, where he's just going on a rant about Halloween candy and how he hates candy corn and he loves um, Haribo gummy bears and everything else. Just the guy was a character. So, uh, yeah, he will be missed. Um, so, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family as uh, well as, you know, Paul Silas and his family, if I didn't say that already. Okay, back to an interesting, an interesting development in the NFL. The Falcons, I think this has been known uh, for a week or so now. They, they have decided to bench Marcus Mariota in favor of rookie Desmond Ritter. I think he, what was, a Ritter was, I think, a third-round pick last year. So Mariota maybe didn't take too kindly to the news and just decided to leave the team. According to head coach Arthur Smith, Mariota is dealing with a chronic knee issue and left the team to have it evaluated. Now, here's the thing about this, though. He has played in every single game. So the Falcons really don't know when or if he will return this season. He could just be pissed off that he's been benched and he's like, screw it, I'm out of here. But what's weird about this is this has never been the case with, with him ever. He's never shown any issues, character issues like this. He was a backup to Derek Carr for a while. You know, he was benched in Tennessee in favor of, I think, Tannehill. And he's worked with Arthur Smith before in Tennessee when he was benched. So it's just a very weird situation. Now, this absolutely could be one of those scenarios where he was fighting for his life and he knew that if he came forward and told anybody about this knee issue that he's been dealing with, that he would lose his job to Ritter and then never gain it back. So maybe he, he was just playing through this. And now that he's been benched, he's just like, screw it. I'm going to go get this thing checked out and taken care of for my safety and my well-being. I don't know how to take this, but it's not a good look by any stretch of imagination. And like I said, the Falcons are just one game back. Anything could happen in this division. So it's crazy. The NBA unveiled six new trophies this week named after greats including the Michael Jordan Trophy for League MVP, that's obvious, and the Jerry West Trophy for a new Clutch Player of the Year award. Not quite sure how they're going to determine Clutch Player of the Year. Is it going to be, you know, got, you know, most um, buzzer beaters in a season? Or uh, is it going to be like, oh, you, you, you know, you, you will your team to a victory after you're down, you know, 10 with three minutes left and you just go, like, I don't know how they're going to gonna determine this, but yeah. Six new trophies. Uh, UCLA Board of Regents approved the school's move to the Big Ten in 2024. So now USC and UCLA will be joining the Big Ten. To uh, That will make it 16 teams in the Big Ten. 
Uh, This provided the school implements a series of financial mitigation measures to support its student athletes. Yeah, because they're going to be traveling from California to Rutgers on certain occasions to play, you know, some of these East Coast teams, Maryland, et cetera. And then there's going to be some sort of Berkeley tax where the school is going to have to agree to pay the University of Cal Berkeley between two and ten million dollars on a yearly basis as compensation for basically ditching them to go to the ditching the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. Just crazy. But this is good news in the sense that it will disband divisions in the Big Ten finally for football. But it's bad news because how the hell is Rutgers going to compete with these teams? Okay, this is kind of cool. Drew Brees is returning to football, joining his alma mater, Purdue's coaching staff on an interim basis under new head coach Ryan Walters ahead of their Citrus Bowl game. Look, if Brees is, is trying to get into coaching, this is definitely a step in the right direction because remember, he tried the whole broadcasting thing at NBC and it just didn't quite work out. I don't know if he'll ever get back into that or he's just going to try to get into coaching. I don't know. We'll see, but interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is what he's trying to do because he was, in fact, a great, great quarterback. All right, um, let's talk some NFL real quick. Let's go over the matchups. Um, that's what's on this weekend, really. Uh, we've got, let's see, the Jets and the Lions. I talked about that pretty much. Um, yeah, I talked about the Jets and the Lions. You've got the Giants and the Commanders. This is another big day, uh, a big game for them because they tied two weeks ago. The Commanders had a bye, and now they're playing the Giants basically back-to-back games. So the winner of this game is going to be in a really good position for sure. And I honestly, if I had to guess, the Commanders with the week off, Chase Young will finally make his debut. I like the Commanders in that game. Um, I, I think... I think it's a it's a good bet that they win that game. Uh, we've got NBA going on right now. The Nets are down 10 and a half. That's not good. But anyway, back to the NFL. Let me just go over a few of these games that I like. The, the spread, by the way, in this Jets and Lions game has completely flipped now that Zach Wilson is starting. Uh, it's gone from, I think the Jets were minus one, minus one and a half maybe. And now the Lions are favored by one and a half. I'm not touching that game. I just, I can't. Even though I... With Zach Wilson, I still think the Jets can win this game. I really do, but we'll see. You got the Vikings hosting the Colts. They're coming off a loss to the Lions. They're three and a half point favorites. I, I have to pound the Lions. I'm sorry. I know they're not a great team for 10 and three, but um I I truly believe that they will they will cover this spread against the Colts. You got the Browns and the Ravens. Browns are actually favored by two and a half. Uh that's an interesting one. I don't think they're that good. I would actually go on a limb here and take the Ravens as bad as they've been playing. Bills, Dolphins, Bills are seven-point favorites. I like the Bills here. I need the Bills to win. Eagles will roll over the Bears. They're nine-point favorites on the road. Um, Some other notable games. Look out for the Panthers and Steelers. They're both five and eight. Panthers need this game. They need to hope the Bucs lose. you got the Jaguars, Cowboys. Cowboys playing another team that's not great. Uh, Cowboys are four-point favorites. They should bounce back and and blow somebody out for once. Chiefs are going to dominate the Texans. They're 14-point favorites on the road. The Broncos and Cardinals, 
This is an interesting one. Russell Wilson has officially been ruled out in this game, so Broncos are now favored by one and a half. I mean, they were always favored, but it's going to be a battle of backup quarterbacks. I You can't pay me to watch that game. Raiders-Patriots. Raiders had won, what, three, four in a row, and then they they lost a bad one. Uh, they're hosting the Patriots. That's at home. Raiders are actually favored by one and a half. Listen, if anyone could beat Belichick, it should be Josh McDaniels, right? He should know the secret sauce to beat him. Chargers-Titans. For the Jets' sake, I need the Chargers to actually win this game. It, it, you know, it doesn't do any good for the Titans to lose because they're winning their division as it is, so it wouldn't help the Jets in that scenario. Buccaneers, Bengals, this is in Tampa. Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know. Uh, this does not look good for Tom Tom at all. And then, like I said, you got the Sunday night game. They flex the Commanders and the Giants. Commanders are four-and-a-half-point favorites. This should be a good one. Again, they tied last last time they played. Both teams are desperate for a win. And then you've got Monday night, the Packers hosting the Rams. Packers are seven-point favorites. Don't discount those Rams. Uh, don't count them out because Baker Mayfield will be starting again. And that was rapid fire. Oh, and of course, last night, the 49ers beat the Seahawks 21-13. to Brock Purdy continues to kill it, for lack of a better term. Killing it. And the 49ers are my pick to come out of the NFC and win a uh, Super Bowl. Not, well, not, I don't know that they'll win, but they will represent the NFC. That's my pick. Um, all right. That's pretty much it. World Cup, you got tomorrow, I guess probably 10 a.m. is the third place game between Croatia and Morocco. And then Sunday morning at 10 a.m., uh, you've got um, the World Cup final between France and Argentina. Oh, and by the way, we have games tomorrow. We have Saturday games this week. We have the Colts and Vikings tomorrow, the Ravens and Browns, and the Dolphins and Bills is tomorrow, and then every other game is Sunday, and then Monday, of course. We've got, so how many games? Three games tomorrow, so that's cool. We're back to Saturday games. That's how you know the season is winding down. Okay, on this day in sports, let's get to it. I uh, wasn't really prepared for this, so I quickly you know, searched on Twitter. On this day, the great curse has been lifted. What was this? Uh, November, uh, excuse me, December 16th. 2020, uh, excuse me, 2007, December 16th, 2007. Um, after 32 seasons, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally returned a kickoff for a touchdown as Michael Spurlock went 90 yards to become a legend. Tampa Bay won the game with ease, but no one will ever remember that. Take a listen. 7-3 Tampa. Shanta returning the kick with Michael Spurlock. Spurlock past the 20, past the 30. Could it be? Could it be? The great curse has been lifted. There goes Michael Spurlock. And for the first time ever, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Santa Maria. I mean, that's really hard to imagine. 32 years it took them to return a kickoff for a touchdown. Man, oh man, that is crazy. Um, but yeah, anyway, that is pretty much it. Of course, you know, NBA is on all weekend, but it's cool that we have NFL tomorrow and Sunday and then the World Cup mixed in there Sunday morning before any of the action. I'm not really sure about what I'm going to bet on just yet, but NFL has been killing me. Uh, the 49ers have been a good bet lately, though. Um, won a little bit of money on them. 
might might throw some money on the Nets right now at the half, uh, but I haven't watched any of that game really. And my dad said they look completely disjointed, but so we'll see. Um, I'll finish this this episode up post, get that up and running so you guys can listen this weekend. We'll have one more episode next week for uh, before the holidays, before Christmas, and then you know the New Year's. So. I'll see everybody next weekend. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Go Jets, baby. Or actually, as that lady said, let's go Joe Burrow. Pody signing out.